Happy spring, friends, and welcome to another episode of Behind the Headlines. I am Eric Hulkerin, my co-host, John Heiner, and joining us this week, Emily Bingham. Emmy Award-winning Emily Bingham will be talking about things that you can do in Michigan this spring. She's got a piece coming out this Sunday for Easter Sunday that you will absolutely dig. So without further ado, let's jump into it on Behind the Headlines. So here we go. Emmy award-winning Emily Bingham is with us. And as always, my co-host for this podcast, Vice President of Content for MLive, John Heyer. How are you, buddy? Well, the morning doves are cooing. The sun is up earlier. The Tigers are opening on Thursday. So um, I just want to say about uh, the show today and our guest, Emily Bingham, who was on this fall with us. She was on to talk about fall colors. And I'm going to make a, a stunning admission. I lied in that podcast because I said fall was the best season in Michigan. And I, I had to say that to like keep the demons at bay of winter that was, you know, comes after fall. But, you know, the last snowdrift has melted and uh, we are now heading into spring in Michigan, which I can now say with all honesty is the best season in Michigan. And uh, Emily Bingham, who probably has the best job in Michigan, at least in M Live, has joined us here again today. She's a writer on our life and culture team. Emily, I don't want to steal the thunder, but why don't you tell our listeners what your beat is, what your job is? Yeah, well, um, I usually describe it to people as covering uh, Michigan outdoor recreation and travel uh, and nature. Um, but kind of from the human interest perspective, less so environmental journalism and more so like how to fully appreciate Michigan's amazing outdoors. And you've been doing that for MLive for I think five years now? Yeah, I just marked my fifth year anniversary here. Yeah, we really appreciate you came over and brought, you brought something that uh, MLive really needed and appreciated our readers appreciate. And also we gave you a special assignment this past week. Um, Easter's coming up and we had just crossed the one year anniversary of this kind of COVID nightmare, uh, that we've, we've all endured. And of course, the metaphor is not hard to find for Easter, but, you know, renewal and resurrection. And you, you have written a piece for Sunday, um, it'll be on all of M lives, eight uh, newspapers around the state. Um, and I'm going to steal thunder this is a special benefit for our podcast listeners, but I, if you'll indulge me, I'm going to read the opening couple of sentences to your story, and then they're going to have to run out and buy a newspaper if they're not a subscriber. But uh, here's, what, here's what Emily, uh, you'll, you'll see in our Sunday paper. If hope were a season, it would be spring. Every sign of its return feels like optimism embodied. Birdsong and bicycle bells, budding trees, and the soul-stirring scent of rain. This spring, that sense of promise feels especially potent and necessary. And to that, I say amen. <laughs> it has been quite a year for, for everybody in Michigan. So Emily, why don't you take it from there and, and tell our listeners a little bit what we were trying to accomplish with this piece and some, and some of the things I'll find in it. And don't give away too many spoilers. Sure. Yeah, well... Um... I was really excited when I got this assignment. Uh, it was kind of a loose assignment, um, uh, which was left open to some interpretation. It was basically, um, I think the sentence that uh, my manager Tanda gave me was, um, take your hope outside. <laughs> um, to write something uh, full of um, promise and um, optimism uh, and outdoorsy. And for me, the challenge was um, not also acknowledging or, or also being able to acknowledge 
the year that we've all been through, you know, to not be blindly optimistic, but to say, um, yes, we see where you're at. You might be tired. Uh, you might be grieving. You might be just pulling your hair out, ready to, to get out there. And, um, and so I, I hope I captured that in the introduction. Um, and then from there, we launch into a handful of amazing things you can do in the Michigan outdoors this time of year, um, which, you know, everybody, it's so exciting to throw your windows open, to tune up the bicycle, to get outside. But uh, March particularly, which we're ending now and getting into early April, it's still kind of cold. Depending on the rain, trails can be muddy. Um, so I just wanted people to feel empowered with lots of ideas uh, and to feel excited to get outside and to not be hampered by some of the um, transition of the season. So uh, a few of the things that uh, I wrote about in the article were um, uh, waterfall hunting across the UP, which would be for anybody who wants to like really get out of Dodge and uh, take a road trip with um, maybe your housemates or a vaccinated friend. <laughs> Uh, it, because the, the UP has tons of amazing waterfalls. I've seen estimates and nobody has a, I've, I've never seen a, a for sure estimate because a lot of these waterfalls are unnamed. So some people estimate 150 waterfalls, some people estimate 300 waterfalls, but you can go all the way west and work your way back east. Um, you can go to one destination like Pictured Rocks or Porcupine Mountain State Park. And, uh, and check out waterfalls, which are at their peak in spring, thanks to melting snow and, uh, and the spring rains. Um, so the piece uh, touches on that, which is like kind of a travel piece, um, unless you happen to live in the UP near some of these waterfalls. Uh, but it also touches on things you can do right in your backyard, like bird watching, mm -hmm. uh, which spring in Michigan, for people who are into birds, there's no better season. Uh, we have these conditions that combine to make it excellent birding. Uh, not only is Michigan in um, what's known as the Mississippi Flyway, which is uh, a really important spring and fall migration route for birds as they're making their way um, home to Michigan and points north from their summer or their winter uh, wintering grounds, but also the trees are not leafed out yet, so you can actually see them. Mm -hmm. It's much harder to see birds when in the summer when the trees are, are leafy. So, uh, you know, just simple things like um, stepping outside with your binoculars, going to uh, parks and preserves near you, or traveling to one of Michigan's uh, great birding destinations like Tawas Point State Park, which people travel from all over the country to Tawas to see the, the spring warblers and waterfowls we get there. One of the things I really liked about your piece is there are specific uh, suggestions and recommendations for specific places or, um, uh, sightseeing things you can do or areas you can go to but the the headings are all kind of general and they're they're the one thing about them is they're pretty much all free and i, I don't want to like i said steal the thunder you mentioned bird watching i mean you don't you don't even probably need binoculars but if you want some that's pretty cheap and you know we do a lot of coverage on our life and culture team and michigan's best team and a lot of times it's things that you might have to pay to do um, to go to eat or go to concerts or things like that. But one of the great things about the stories you write is pretty minimal cost. I mean, if you have a, if you have a state park passport, um, those aren't very expensive. Um, there's, and then you point out in this article again, which I want people to, to go find this weekend and read themselves, but um, things they can do that don't cost any money at all in Michigan. Sure, uh, like rock hunting. 
like go walk a beach. Uh, spring is an amazing time to find Petoskey stones and other treasures on Michigan beaches, both uh, on the Great Lakes beaches like Lake Michigan and Lake Superior um, and on the inland lakes because of the, the way that the ice freezes um, pushing forward and then recedes, it kind of acts um, like uh, an rock excavator. Tumbler. Yeah, oh. like a rock tumbler or an excavator. It churns up all these rocks um, and it, you know, turns over new ones. So beaches that might have been picked over of Petoskey stones last fall are suddenly full of little treasures. Uh, and if you're going to a state park, all you need is the, the recreation passport. Um, uh, but many of the lakes have public access points where you can walk a beach. And to me, like, what a pleasurable thing to do with your kids or with a loved one, just uh, take in the beautiful weather, maybe take a picnic down, um, bring a blanket if you need to, and just see what you can find. Do you have a Petoskey stone in your possession? It's embarrassing how many Petoskey stones I have. <laughs> <laughs> I would hope you do. Eric, do you have a Petoskey stone? Um, we do, yes. I grew up up north, but well, at least when I was a kid, we lived up there. I've never found a Petoskey stone. Really? No, it's it's a hole in my resume. I have oh. never hit a hole in I've never hit a hole in one either. But I'd rather find a Petoskey stone, frankly. It'll it'll be extra special when you do find one. Then that's how I felt about morels. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, morel hunting, um, which I could have written about in this story sure. too, but uh, is is so big in Michigan uh, in May. May is a season for morel hunting, and. I have been writing about Michigan travel and outdoors for my entire career since I was, you know, interning. And I had never found a morel until two years ago. And I felt like, I felt like a, you know, such a sham. <laughs> and then I finally found my first one and it was so exciting. And then from there, it was like, they just popped out to me. Uh, right. So I bet you just need to find that first one. Well, as a kid, I'm going to name check my mom here, Rosemary Heiner who's still out there. And when we were kids living up by Sheboygan, she used to make us like it was compulsory, compulsorily uh, labor, go out and pick um, raspberries, you know, wild raspberries, blackberries, and, um, and then go mushroom hunting too. But at least I had as a kid, we always had morales around every season. So uh, I got, I got lucky there. Um, it, it didn't, it wasn't fun picking berries when you'd rather be riding your bike, but um, it's a lot of great things. Yeah. And that could have been on the list too. Um, so what are some of your favorite things to do personally in Michigan or favorite regions of the state that maybe you feel aren't explored as well as they, they could be? Yeah. Well, um, I spent some time living in the Northwest part of the state, uh, in Traverse city, and that is definitely not underexplored. Um, but I have to give it a shout out cause it's near and dear to my heart. Um, but one of my favorite spots, uh, well, just in general, the east side of Michigan's Lower Peninsula, I think, is uh, sorely underappreciated. Um, just Lake Huron is incredibly beautiful. The beaches have this reputation as being rocky, but they're not all. In fact, you can get some amazing, beautiful, sandy stretches. Port Crescent State Park is one of my favorite state parks. It's in the thumb. Um, great camping, uh, Port, uh, Port Austin is a great little town and, and the beach there is amazing. Um, and uh, one, of the, one of the other things that I, activities that I wrote about in this story uh, is uh, dark sky watching, uh, Michigan's dark sky parks. And they have um, the DNR set up a, a number of dedicated dark sky preserves at Michigan State Parks. And uh, Port Crescent State Park is one of the locations of a dedicated dark sky preserve. So, um, 
just conditions are right for great night sky viewing. Uh, but yeah, the east side um, and then further up as you go along the lake shore, Tawas is incredible. I'm a birder myself. I go to Tawas Point State Park every year uh, to see the warblers come in. It, my first time doing that was, I think, four years ago, maybe three years ago, and it was a life-changing experience. And then you can go farther north. Um, Ascoda is, is beautiful. And I mean, there's just like no limit to the outdoorsy things you can do in that part of the state, but there's just fewer people in general. Uh, and I, I happen to like that vibe. You're listening to Behind the Headlines, an MLive podcast with your host, John Heiner, and my co-host, Eric Culcran. Our guest today is Emily Bingham. She's a Michigan outdoors and all things great writer for our, our life and culture team at MLive. I want to go back to something you were just saying, Emily, about um, stargazing. And half of Michigan's 10 million residents roughly live south of US 10, uh, which bisects the state from basically Bay City to Ludington. Um, if you grew up in the metropolitan Detroit area, and you've never gone um, somewhere up north, like say Presque Isle County, you know, you have not seen the stars. Uh, you you have not seen the Milky Way until you've been somewhere up north. And I I haven't been to one of the dark uh, star parks, but I, I need to do that. But you can go just about anywhere up in, in remote northern Michigan and get out of your car and look up at night, and it's just astounding. Um, I, tell me more though about these parks and what they're like. And do you need a passport to get in? And sure. Uh, well, um, we have. Yeah, we are. To to your point, truly blessed in Michigan to have some really dark skies. And once I was interviewing a photographer who who specializes in the Northern Lights, uh, who's based out of the Marquette region, and she was saying, I mean, pretty much all of the UP is a dark sky park. <laughs> um, there's certain things though that to get uh, this very prestigious international dark sky park designation that a park needs to do. Um, like one of the things needs to be limiting uh, light pollution within the park. Um, but I mean, you have to offer educational programming, uh, be open certain times a year. It's a very rigorous um, process to get this designation. And Michigan had one of the first 10 in the world international dark sky parks, the Headlands International Dark Sky Park uh, in Emmett County, um, like north of the Petoskey Harbor Springs area was the first. Absolutely beautiful. I've been there. It is it is a stunning and surreal experience. You're not supposed to use flashlights because it uh, not only can disrupt other people's viewing, but it can actually like disrupt your own viewing um, because your eyes get used to the light. So people use these little like red light flashlights. And it's amazing how quickly your eyes adjust uh, and you just feel really in tune uh, with nature being out there on the lakeshore and, and just soaking up this bowl of stars overhead. Um, but then just within the last two years, we got a second international dark sky park in Michigan, um, TK Lawless uh, Dark Sky Park in Cass County. And then in addition to those two, we have uh, six state parks with uh, DNR designated um, dark sky preserve status. So they don't, they don't have this international recognition, but they have been determined to offer exceptional night sky viewing. And um, you'll have to forgive me, I don't know the rules for viewing at those. I believe uh, that those parks are open later. Um, like inter the international dark sky parks are open all night long. You can go put your camp chair on the beach and night sky gaze for as long as you want. Um, with the asterisk being they're 
were some uh, different protocol last year due to COVID-19. So check before going, check the websites just to make sure that there's nothing special going on there. Um, yeah, and check, check your ego at the door because you're going to feel really insignificant. Yes. It's <laughs> <laughs> hard. Yeah, well, and, but it's, I mean, yeah, beautiful thing to do. Well, and I, and I would say this, Emily, because I, I did a piece over at the Preserve in Alpena. And John, you know, we've got, as Emily is saying, we, we live in this amazing state and the sunrises here are awesome. But one of the things, if you're trying to shoot photos, right, sunrises are, you get one shot at that sunrise, but the sun sets here, you get a couple hours. And when you're dark sky preserving at the international or preserve level, I mean, it changes like every three minutes, you know, which mm -hmm. is something you don't notice if you're in a city, you're just like, Oh, there's the, there's the Milky way, right? Like, or there's the Northern whatever. Um, but when you're in these dark sky preserves, it's, it's, you have to do it, John. It's incredible. Absolutely incredible. And, and I just want to add one, one more thing as somebody who uh, loves nature, <laughs> um, these parks aren't just the novelty. Uh, dark sky is a diminishing resource mm -hmm. across the globe. And it's, it's not just important uh, for our own sense of wonder and connectedness to nature and a cool thing to do, but dark sky is actually essential to the functions of a lot of wildlife. Uh, so these places serve not only as a, as a, place to take it in, but as um, almost a sanctuary and to, and to help educate people uh, as to why night sky, truly dark sky is essential to, to the world. Well, we're animals too. And we could, we could use a serenity, you know, sure. and, get, and getting out of the light pollution at, at night and that sort of thing. And I, I never, well, having been a kid in Northern Michigan, I never feel more connected in terms of my soul is when I'm back up there and I, I get a, just get to go out every night and just stare up at the sky because it's just mind blowing. And you, you mentioned one more thing, and this is on my bucket list. I did, but uh, Northern Lights, I've seen them three times in my life in Michigan. It's three different and each one was completely different than the previous. Um, spectacular. Um, have you checked that off your list? I have, but never because I was trying to. <laughs> right. It's only been accidental, uh, and it's it's. I've never seen something truly like mind blowing, spectacular. But you know, a little color on the horizon line. Um, but uh, the Northern Lights are notoriously difficult to track and to predict. There's face. I'm in Facebook groups. Um, where it's dedicated to like tracking and trying to predict them and sending people out, you know, and it's, it's a science that I am not well-versed in at all. Um, I'd love to see a spectacular show. Like we just had one a few weeks ago up at the Straits area. Mm -hmm. um, but I, well, I've been looking to see them. exists now that didn't one 20 years ago or whatever, those photographers you mentioned and videographers who capture these. So you can see them in social media if I may indulge you just for a second, my first time I was um, just out of college. I just started my first job. It was summer and I was renting a room in a house like 20 miles outside of the town. I was working Adrian, which is down by in the Ohio state line. And it was a night softball game and I was driving back home and I kept seeing something out of my peripheral vision. But when I would turn to look, I'm out in the country, right? I wouldn't see anything. So I got out at a four way stop and pitch dark and I looked up and it was like a green sheet that was flapping in the wind that was across the entire sky. It was just the entire sky was rippling green. And I laid on the hood of the car, kind of like, you know, Wayne and Garth and in, you know, Wayne's world by the airport. <laughs> and just stared at the sky for like 20 minutes. It was, it was absolutely mind blowing when you see stuff like that. Amazing. But uh, Michigan has so much. And that's the other thing you mentioned too, is you talk about the variety 
And you mentioned that Cass County has a, a night sky park. You know, that's not, you don't have to go to Northern Michigan to do that. So why don't you just talk a little bit about what about people who can't travel that much, what the variety is for people. And are there things, for instance, around Metro Detroit that are really natural wonders too? Yeah, well, I, you know, um, to me, it starts with the curiosity, you know, spending time outside is a curiosity for just the natural world. Uh, one of the things that I recommend in this story is taking a wildflower walk that is free and or cheap, depending on where you're going, or if there's, you know, maybe like a, a pass needed to get to a certain nature preserve, but it's very easy, something all ages can enjoy. And guess what? We have wildflowers everywhere in Michigan. Um, I live uh, just north of Ann Arbor and there are endless places I can drive to within an hour or less uh, to see beautiful spring wildflowers. Um, Belle Isle Park in Detroit is incredible. Um, lots of great things to do there, even with COVID uh, closing down some of the, the kind of landmarks there, like the aquarium mm -hmm. um, and the conservatory. But um, it's a beautiful place to just take a stroll. Great bird watching. There's nature trails there. The, the Riverwalk has nature trails. Um, Metro Detroit area uh, has its metro parks, which kind of form this ring around um, Detroit uh, out in the suburbs. Amazing places. I mean, last year during the, the peak of early COVID, when people were just out of their minds to get outside and do something when everything was shut down, I could not believe how many people were on the trails at, say, Kensington Metro Park. Uh, but again, just beautiful. There's even if it's packed, there's always a place to like escape and, and feel like you're away from the crowds and just um, soak up nature uh, and, and just look for things. I mean, bring binoculars, bring a field guide, just get curious, walk slow, see what you can see um, and, and see what you can learn. And look up sometimes too. Yeah. And look up, especially if you're birding. I see, I have a, <laughs> my boyfriend is really into birds and I'm really into wildflowers. And so he's always looking up <laughs> when we walk and I'm always looking down and like, I'm missing the things he's seeing and he's missing the things <laughs> I'm seeing, but um, it works out. <laughs> well, Emily, you also do a little bit of writing for us or keep tabs on um, vacation rentals and, and places people can stay. What's the state of that right now? Uh, both from a standpoint of demand and people getting back out, but also COVID restrictions and other things like that. What can people expect this spring if they try to do some rentals? Yeah, well, uh, my advice always, but especially within the past year, um, think things are back online. Originally with say like Airbnb and Verbo, a lot of those were shut down for a while. Now it seems almost everything is back online uh, and uh, uh, people who rent their homes or have vacation homes that they're renting out are writing in the descriptions that they're taking extra precautions for cleaning in between parties that arrive. Sometimes they um, like mandate that there has to be like a full day in between parties arriving and the previous party leaving. Um, so availability as far as like places to stay is not a problem, but whether or not you can get in mm -hmm. is, is the question because a lot of people uh, in part because of COVID and with restaurant closures, people want to be able to prepare their own food. But I just think we are seeing this general trend over the last five years to more people wanting that experience, wanting a vacation rental versus a hotel. Uh, so if you're thinking to spring, if you're thinking to summer, even if you're thinking to like fall color touring, 
the earlier you can make those reservations, the better. Um, I was trying to do fall color, a, a roundup of Airbnbs for fall color season last year. And I, I didn't write the story because I could not find any place to write about. Oh. Everything was booked solid. Like Remember your remote day. cabin piece in the winter? Sure. Yes. So I got all stoked and I don't know, you had maybe 10 of them in there and they were just booked solid. Yeah. Thanks to you. I mean, whatever was still open was booked. <laughs> so then my, my um, brother's, uh, step the son is getting married and they picked june 12th on mackinac island oh boy which is during the lilac festival oh boy <laughs> yeah that's peak mackinac so my big i have not found a petoskey stone but i did score an airbnb on the island for that weekend i felt i mean it was like winning the lottery that's not nothing <laughs> <laughs> that's a lot mackinac mackinac june july and august that's tough yeah, I was, I was, it's like a mile or so from you know, downtown, you know, Mackinac Island, but I'll just hop a bike or even walk if it's the weather's nice, you know, but sure. I was happy. I, I still, I keep going back and checking the, the reservation to make sure I have it because it feels too good to be true. <laughs> well, and, and uh, just to, you know, follow that line of thought, if you can't find the place on Mackinac Island in June and you really had your heart set on it, I, my advice to people is to like, think of like the path less traveled, like maybe think about St. Ignace, maybe think about Mackinac City, um, anywhere that's considered like a, a hot destination, Traverse City, for instance, there's going to be little bedroom communities around it that will almost guaranteed have some availability left. And so, it, you know, if you had your heart set on a Mackinac vacation, um, consider some alternate ideas if you're making the reservation last minute or if it's already booked up. And a lot of places are already booking up. I mean, I, I haven't checked on Traverse City in a while, but that Traverse City to me is always like the the gold standard for mm. how far ahead people are thinking because it's a year round destination, right. um, but it definitely has some, some peak seasons. And uh, I imagine that things are probably booking up already for summer season in Traverse. Uh, I'm a huge fan of and believer in serendipity and some of the best experiences or memories I've had have been things I didn't expect or I, I had to stay in an out-of-the-way place and then you, I discovered things that I didn't know were there I had to drive the back roads to get there and I saw things in Michigan I hadn't seen and so I I agree with you if you can't even be in Mackinac City you know go down to Sheboygan stay on the Sheboygan River which is which is really cool go out to Mullet Lake or you know in, in just a, be open to that in Michigan because you'll find so many things. So I, I want to end with, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you to one thing you found in Michigan in the last year. It's a little secret thing that Eric, that you, that you would share with our listeners or Emily, I'll tell you mine. Um, I was up in a late fall golf trip up by South of Sheboygan and it, it, well, there's a place called Douglas Lake. And it's about 15, 20 miles south of Sheboygan. It's out in the middle of nowhere. And there's a little bar called Douglas Lake Bar. It has the most amazing food. You'll, it's like a log type building on a lake. I've never had walleye that was so good in my life, ever. And I've lived in Michigan my whole life. It's like a secret treasure. And the people up there, I think I just outed their favorite place and tourists now, which you have to work to find it. But um, amazing cheesecake. It was just, I, I would drive back four hours to go to eat there because it was that good. And that has nothing to do with nature other than it's on a lake. But that was a find last fall for me. 
That's uh, I'm I'm pulling up my phone right now because I'm trying to find the name of the place that I want to mention. Eric, do you? Yeah, do Eric, you what you got? You travel around. You go to UP a lot too. I do. Um, I'm trying to think of something that would be out of the way. I will. I'll shout out actually to Emily's former neck of the woods. Um, when we go up to Traverse City a lot, there is a um a, a like little diner in Fife Lake that is to your point is just to die for, but it's, it's off the beaten path. And I think most people obviously go to Traverse city and do their eating, but right when you're going to head up to Traverse city, if you just pull off in Fife Lake, it's right there at the boat launch. I would say that okay. it's a time. I mean, it probably seats eight people, but again, amazing place to get food and kind of out of the way. If you're heading to or from I'm, Traverse city. I, I caused us to veer off into Michigan's best territory here, but well, yeah, yeah, fair. But I also I also want them to read Emily's piece so she will tell them where to go. So. Right. Emily, did you find that? I did. Um, and mine is actually a very recent find. Uh, and I'm thinking of it, too, because I don't want to only ever talk about northern Michigan as much as I love it. And we, we all love it. Um, but it was in Chelsea. I actually, um, one of my uh, treats to myself this year is a new bike. It's my first time ever buying a new bike. <laughs> I've only ever had hand-me-downs. Okay. And I went to a bike shop in Chelsea, which is not too far from where I live. Um, Chelsea, by the way, is an adorable, amazing town. Mm -hmm. And if you love the outdoors, uh, Waterloo Recreation Area and Pinckney Rec are both mm -hmm. there and cannot be beat. They are amazing. Purple Rose um, Theater, Jeff Daniels. The common yeah. grill, Jiffy and Mix. Great, yeah, great food, great vibe, um, great little library, great little public library. Anyways, they have a new restaurant in town called Brahma House, which is like sort of Mediterranean food. And it was, I would call it the best meal I've had in pandemic year. It wow. was, we ate our lunch uh, in the sunshine. It was a little cold, but at a park by the river in downtown Chelsea. And I was just pinching myself the whole time. It was so delicious. So um, check that place out, but then check, you know, make a day of it. If you happen to live, you know, within an hour's drive or so and, and head out to Waterloo or Pinckney yep. and check out the trails. Cause they're great. Uh, I'm writing that one down. I don't live too far from Chelsea. So Rama house. Uh, I think you so just good. made it hard to get a table there, but probably eat it Thanks outside that. though. <laughs> Carry out. <laughs> That's what I'd rather well, do this time of year anyway. The sun is shining. Spring is back. I'm so grateful for that. And um, I, next fall, when we do our fall color, I'll, I'll, I'll lie again and say fall's amazing. But uh, spring is the best. And Emily, thanks for joining us on Behind the Headlines today. I really appreciate it. And thanks for all you do to keep our, our readers in the know about the best things in Michigan. Truly appreciate it. It's my pleasure. And there they go. Once again, a huge thanks to Emily for filling us in on what to do this Easter weekend. If you like what John and I are doing, make sure you rate, review, and share the podcast wherever you are listening today. Till next week, he is John Heiner. I am Eric Hulkern, and this is Behind the Headlines.